this is going to be a historical this is going to be a historical <laughs> passes round table folks we are just we're in for a treat today i don't know about you but i am excited for the guests we have with us dr henry is there no uh they, well, i'm excited for the guests we have with us today i'm so excited so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be quiet and i'm gonna ask my esteemed co-host dr dion henry to introduce our guest today all right. Well, listen, uh, I am smiling from ear to ear. First of all, we have two powerhouses here today. I mean, these are gurus. These are people that have been uh, just leading the way in this topic that we're talking about. First, we have Mindy Salyers. She is a powerful lady. She has a ministry that ministers to conferences. You didn't hear me today. Ministers to conferences. She has a website. She'll tell you a little bit more about that. But she is trained, she is ready to go, and she has been so impactful as we as she talks about mental health and does something about it, right? So we praise God for Mindy Salyers. And then the next guest, oh, man, listen, that's why I'm wearing the tie today. I'm wearing the suit. Listen, I, I made sure I got my hair cut. I'm, 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 you know, I'm making sure I'm on my best behavior because the next guest that we have, this is the apple of my eye. That's right. This is the apple of my eye. This is my rib. Can I introduce my rib today? This is my rib. <laughs> this is my wife, she, Dylan Henry. And let me tell you something. She is just a, a wonderful lady. Uh, by the way, friends, we are going to be married for 24 years in about three weeks or so, 17 days, something like that. Who's counting? 17 days. So we praise God for Dylan Henry. Now, let me tell you something. She is also a guru right now. She is um, working for the Florida Conference uh, in the area of mental health. She is a mental health coordinator for the Florida Conference, for all of the 30 schools or so. And so she does telehealth, she does the in-person. And then her she had her resume is big. I did, you know, big resume. She has dealt with mental health in different areas, various degrees from adults to children for years. And so it's so good to have my wife on the line here today. Hey, let's bring talk them on. about this serious topic. Let's yes, bring sir. Them on. So, let's bring them on. So I talked about the guests. Do I need to talk about the topic? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> or did I let it out the bag, right? I, I think you I think you did in that. But you know, as you know, today this month we're celebrating uh mental health awareness month. And uh here at Pastors Roundtable, we felt that we should spend a show, at least a show, to talk about mental health. And in particularly, our two guests are gonna help us deal with our little ones. And so we're excited to to have them with us. I am so glad to have you with us, Mindy and Dylan. We are just excited to have you along. Dylan, we are, we, I'm excited to have you with us. My wife uh, said she's not coming on. She thinks you're very brave and jumping on here with us. <laughs> uh, and so I don't know about Cindy, but I know that um, you will never get Lorraine on here. I don't know what we're going to do, but we praise God to have you with us because I know you've been with us for the whole ride, not even part of the ride, the whole ride. So thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen. Let's let's um let's start off with a word of prayer, and then let's let's jump on in. Um, Pastor Wade, would you um, would you offer sure. that word of prayer for us? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And on this day, Lord, we we thank you for this opportunity to have this crucial conversation. And so, Father, we pray for our guests. We pray for the words that they will share, the information that they will impart. We pray for our hearers and our viewers that they may um, 
gain something to help them um, with not just in ministry or ministering to children, but also for themselves, that they can be better citizens on this earth in preparation for your soon return. Bless the tech, bless everything that we do to your name's honor and glory. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, let's let's jump in. There's a text in the in the Bible that says, "Let this mind be." You're in getting you. ahead of yourself, man. Just because she's part of us doesn't mean we want to give our guests an opportunity to say hello. That's right. That's, that's right. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We want to do that. I, I, okay. Let's do. Um, Dylan. Uh, well, let's start. We'll start with Mindy, and then we'll move to Dylan. We did not read every detail of your 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 resume and of your accomplishments, where you are, what you're doing. If you want to take, um, we're going to give you 50 seconds um, to just go through and just share with us, shout out anybody who you want to say hello to, or just tell us uh, where you are, what you're doing, something that we did not cover that you'd like our audience to know. Um, and then Dylan, we will pass that to you and you can go right behind her. Mindy. Well, thanks so much, Elder Paul and all three of you for having us. And I'm just very honored to be a part of this and um, very impressed with the ministry that you guys are doing. And we've got 95 viewers. That's really exciting. Um, so I'm watching those numbers tick up. But I am coming to you from Chicagoland, where I'm here for about two more weeks. And then I'm coming south towards you guys um, for kind of country living and permanent residency. Uh, but I have been an Adventist educator, um, elementary through high school for 19 years now. Um, my undergrad is in elementary education. And then I felt God's calling to really build off of that and go into mental health for schools. And so I've been doing school counseling for, um, 16 years and just really love it. Uh, have done it all the way from lower elementary with Montessori pre-K all the way up through collegiate level. Um, but absolutely God is guiding uh, in this time of intense mental health need uh, to serve conferences in a way uh, that's virtual uh, as well as doing some in-person. And I just love it. It's a beautiful way and conferences um, currently serving eight and it looks like 15 next school year um, oh, wow. through kind of an mm. online modality um, and looking to roll it out in two full unions, hopefully for next school year. So, um, conferences are seeing the need. I've been blessed um, to partner a little bit with VersaCare Foundation. If you're familiar mm -hmm. with it, it's an Adventist um, nonprofit grant funder. And uh, they just are behind mental health for Adventist schools in a really mm -hmm. big way and are willing wow. to put their, their monies behind that. And so Dylan, I consider her to be just a partner um, and a colleague, a fellow colleague serving Adventist schools. And so I'm thrilled to be here with her as well. That's so awesome. 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 And we are delighted to have you. Dylan, time is yours. All right. Yes. Well, thank you for having me on. 
Um, I have to admit, it was a little nerve wracking when Dion asked me to come on. I was like, what? <laughs> That's his round table. <laughs> Although I watch it every week. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. And um, yes, um, Dion said a whole lot about what I do. Um, currently, right now, I am working for the Florida Conference. And I am a licensed mental health counselor. And I'm doing school based. I have 30 schools under me. And I serve the children uh, across the state. I see the children, obviously, who are not here locally in the Orlando vicinity, I see them online. And those who are physically here, I travel to the schools and work with them individually there. Um, before I did mental health, I was um, a case manager and um, worked with the Department of Children and Families. And um, basically, I felt a need to do more, you know, when I was trying to see if we can find ways to unify families, have children go back home with their moms, because we were in the business of, um, I guess, taking children away from homes where homes were not adequate. You know, we tried really hard to reunify them. And I just thought there was a lot more that needed to be done. So I did go back to school and ended up getting my master's degree in mental health counseling. And I have been doing this, <clears throat> I think, I don't even know how long it's been now, uh, a, quite a while. <laughs> yes, but I've worked mostly with adults and um, I had a chance to do a few years with children and realized I really enjoyed that. It was in the public school system, and I wanted to do it in the Adventist wow. system, and God just opened up the doors when we moved back to Florida, and so here I am now, and I am honored and blessed to be able to serve the Florida Conference. Wow, wow, love that, love that. Love the idea and the uh -huh. desire to want to, wanna, you know, do stuff for, for, for our own. So, so thank you, Dylan and, and Mindy. Um, we just saw in the chat, Mindy, your husband is in the chat as a proud husband saying that you were also the interim <laughs> educational superintendent for the Minnesota conference. So, um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to have you both. And, and, right, and Mindy also had, here. also Mindy had, uh, 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 a, a, a fan, I guess, Debbie Michelle yes. Michael from uh, Lake Union. Uh, she's also talking about the blessings they have with your ministry. So obviously you are making an impact where you are and, and what you're doing. So thank you for being with us. Awesome. Awesome. So let's hop in. Finally, I think we can get to this now. We're, <laughs> we're talking about mental health. Yes, sir. Uh, there's this there's this passage in scripture we all know it where, where Jesus says or the Bible says let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus and we know that's mm. an aspiration everybody doesn't have that mind and, and most of the time a lot of the time when we hear about um, mental illness we think uh, yeah those are people who might be aspiring but they're not quite there yet kind of like the rest mm -hmm. of us but when we talk about mental illness could you define that for our audience um, and, and then just on the back end of that, how is or why is mental health just such an important issue, particularly to yeah. our children or when we're dealing with young people? Um, I'm going to let you do the definition because you're the pro oh, in that. And oh, then no, I can maybe. follow up with kind of those additional pieces. Well, I like to flip it and instead of talking about mental illness, we can look at mental health because we all have mental health, right? And so it's, um, it's not good, it's not bad, it's just mental health. So everyone has mental health. And mental health basically just includes our emotional, our physical, our social well-being. You know, it has to do with how it affects, it affects how we think how we feel and how we act. And so and it can also um, determine how we deal with stress. 
you know, do we handle stress well or do we have a problem with stress? So mental health is something that um, affects how we make our choices. And it's there for us all throughout our lives from childhood to adulthood. So in the absence of mental health, you have mental illness. So if you mm -hmm. don't do well with handling stress, if you're overwhelmed and you react in a way that's not healthy or what, how society sees as healthy, then you know you can be probably diagnosed with a mental illness. But mental health is something that we all have and it's just basically how we, um, how we deal with life issues and how we interact mm. with people. I don't know, Mindy, you wanna jump in or did I leave anything out? I mean, no, I love stuff. that. I think it's important that we understand that mental health is something that God gave us innately, right? And he's instilled within us and we just have to enhance those skills. Um, when I think about why it's important to answer you, Elder Paul, um, we think about resiliency and grit. And a lot of times we think of those as being synonyms, right? That um, uh, I'm just going to sort of like powerhouse it through. But actually mm. when we define those in a mental health umbrella, we see grit as being something that's a push through it in this. Like I'm going to push mm -hmm. so hard and just make it through. And resiliency, I see as being a bounce back factor. In other words, wow. I'm going to encounter heavy stuff emotionally, socially, um, spiritually, financially, all of those things, right? Those life events. And yet, if I keep pushing and pushing and pushing, then that's going to cause me to eventually have nothing to push with. So grit is able to like reduce, whereas resiliency is I've used my mental health coping strategies and I've got a bounce back factor. I'm not constantly pouring from an empty cup, but mm. I am able to endure and wow. come out on, with a positive mental health state. Wow. All right. So, awesome. Just a, a follow up to that. I think when we talk about health as opposed to just the illness part, um, we hear terms like heart health, um, um, bone health, uh, foot health, you know, what, whatever. Um, and, and we think of those things as being quantifiable by, by concrete measures. So uh, they're going to take an x-ray or EKG of my heart. They're going to take an x-ray of my bones and, and be able to diagnose and ascertain the, or, or, or quantify the health of those parts of me. Mental health sounds like it may not be as concrete, or, but maybe a little more abstract in quantifying the health of, of someone's mental status yeah, or, or is yeah, there something absolutely. more concrete that can you can you can you you know take an x-ray of my brain and and, and figure out <laughs> well, um, they do do a lot of studies like that too where you can see you know different spots in your brain where there's some areas that's not lit up or that's dark so there there are some things in that area too but as far as when it comes to diagnosing people is usually just a, a criteria that we look at, a list of criteria to see if you hit the mark on those. So for some diagnosis, they might be like, you have to hit five or six, some might be, you know, eight or nine. And depending on that, that's how um, you're, you're able to diagnose. And even when we do diagnose a client, 
sometimes, you know, you might be wrong in the diagnosis because you might miss some information. We get a lot of our information um, from the client giving us feedback, you know, so based on what they're telling us, that's how we're able to do differential diagnosing. So there's no concrete thing where we can take an x-ray and see that you have a broken bone, but based on history, sometimes based on what family and friends say, that's how we are able to now figure out which diagnosis fits best for the person. Okay. And so we often, when we often talk about mental health, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mindy. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say too, that I think of mental health as being soft science where we do have data to back up what we're doing. Uh, for mm -hmm. instance, I'm running um, a behavioral and emotional screener on about 500 middle schoolers this school year, and it's showing if they're internalizing behaviors or externalizing behaviors. So there's actual data that demonstrates, okay, is this kid struggling in the area of mental health? And then we're able to swoop in and support them. Wow. Hey, we got real science going on here, y'all. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, man. They waxed an elegant. So the, the back end of that question still, though, guys. So so we often think about mental health when we're talking about when there's a shooting, there's a big thing. We talk about, you know, people who've been overstressed with life, with bills at the job. But we're talking about kids today or with children. How, how is mental health so important or why is it important for us to know this about children? You start with I think that, sorry, Dylan, <laughs> you have so much wisdom. I want to listen to what Mindy, you have please to say. stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um, you know, Christians in general, but maybe Adventists in a greater way, have subscribed to myths around mental health. Like it's not as important, or we don't deserve mental health, or this is something we can sort of pray away. And wow. I think it's wow. so important to think of it, like Dylan said, as just another element of our body, right? God created our mind. He created our emotions, right? In the same way that we want to be good stewards of our physical health. We want to be good stewards of our mental health. God gifted us that, right? And so to sort of debunk those myths early on with kids and say, guess what? Everybody has feelings. Feelings aren't good. They're not bad. They're just feelings. It's what you mm. do with those feelings that can actually be good or bad. And so yeah. empowering kids early on, I think that's the most important piece, right? That they start to recognize mental health in the same way that they're learning about their bodies and the physical implications. We want them to be thinking about their minds as an asset that they want to protect um, mm -hmm. And enhance. Yeah, and just to piggyback on what um, Mindy is saying, I totally agree with you because mental health has a relationship with our physical health. And so for children, you know, that's why playtime is so important, right? They have a chance to interact with other kids in a social way. They're learning how to recognize and understand facial expressions and gestures and know how to interact with people um, on a social level because sometimes kids have problems recognizing 
what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. So if a child has a mental illness or is having a problem, they're going to have issues interacting with their peers. They're going to have issues at school. They're going to have issues at home. They're going to have issues wherever they go because they're not able to um, differentiate um, different social cues. And so mm. as a child, it's really important for children to um, be able to have healthy mental health, I mean, a healthy mental status, I would say, because it's going to affect them in the long run. And mental health can begin as early as prenatal, you know, being in a mom and in a womb, I should say, you know, it can affect you then because, you know, our brain um, gives us, God has blessed us and has given us um, different chemicals, you know, um, neurotransmitters that go through in our brain and it affects us. So whether it's serotonin, which is a good, um, feeling that we, a good, I'd say, chemical that goes through our brain that gives us a good feeling or, or dopamine. These are things that God has given us. And if a baby inside of a mother um, is not being flooded um, the right way with these different chemicals, they can come out having some issues and some difficulties, you know. And mothers, you know, we want to try our best if you're pregnant to reduce stress levels because you don't want your body to create a lot of cortisol. And that's that stress hormone, which can definitely affect the baby. And so we always blame moms when somebody has a mental illness and mm -hmm. like, oh, my mother. But it's not just moms. And think about where is the stress coming from? It could also be coming from the dad or whatever other environmental stresses are there. So mental health starts from the womb, you know, all the way until the day you die. Because mental health is something that we all have. I see this question in the chat. Um, how does autism factor into mental health or illness or does it? Uh, can you speak a little bit about autism in a relationship with, with mental health? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, and that kind of goes into um, one of the thoughts I was having as far as um, diagnosing kids versus adults, right? And um, right. autism, autism is something that is diagnosed early on in life, and it is part of the DSM. And um, in the DSM-5, you know, we used to have, before DSM-5, we had Asperger's, but now in the DSM-5, um, it's just under the umbrella of autism. And so it is a disorder and um, it's, there's no cure for it, but there's lots of different strategies and tools and you know, behavioral health um, things that we can teach, coping skills that can teach children because people with autism, lots of times they have a hard time understanding facial expressions or they want to have friends, they want to interact and have social mm -hmm. connections, but they just have a difficult time dealing with it you know they don't know how to communicate appropriately they have problems interacting with their peers um, they just have difficulty develop developing and maintaining healthy relationships i don't know mindy i don't know <laughs> more to it or what else would you say the children you've worked no with it's great people. i'm seeing in the chat these questions about specific mental health disorders right and Specifically, when we think about kids, we sort of want to be looking at them on a scale. I, I like to look at it as a range of classification, right? And so, Dylan, you've done such a good job in saying everybody has this baseline of basic skills. We all mm -hmm. have a, a, a basic understanding of emotions and that kind of thing. Um, and yet, there, so here's our baseline. Kids who are high functioning have these coping strategies that they're able to put into place. 
adults mm-hmm. too. Um, and Dylan, you and I both, this is probably the area we work on most, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these coping strategies where their yeah. mindfulness or deep breathing yeah. or journaling or decompressing, all of these different mm-hmm. things. Uh, and then we see under Neath that baseline, we see those kids who are at risk and they're at risk for a whole bunch of different factors. They might be at risk because they're lacking some of those chemical pieces. Um, so maybe they're exhibiting depression or anxiety. They may be at risk because, um, they have some kind of, uh, emotional disability where we're seeing these borderline uh, pieces or we're seeing the autism pieces or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. and so those are the kids that we want to be on a lookout for what are the red flags that sort of indicate that at risk factor. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so let me, let me, let me ask this question. I mean, coming up, uh, I'm hearing all what you're sharing. Um, but when I was coming up, basically what you know children were seen and not heard <laughs> and uh, a child who acted crazy or well you know took it to another level um normally would get a whipping um you spanked know it out and spanked yeah. it out of them uh, but yeah. what you're sharing here began to to unveil in my mind the that identifying these things early uh, does something for the individual and even for society. Can you share a little bit about the importance of the study of uh, children when it comes to mental health as opposed to waiting until... Because they say that children's brains are not developed um, fully, so they're constantly changing. But is there enough? Um, is there enough out there that the study of the children can help us in developing better um, mental health um, tactics uh, for adults and for the society at large? Anyone can mm-hmm. answer that question. I was waiting on you, Mindy, but yeah, well, <laughs> that's okay. I was going to, I would say, you know, Mindy mentioned the word resilience, right? Resiliency. Yeah. And I think every child, um, I think, well, I won't say every, but I think <clears throat> children in general are resilient beings. You know, they have that ability to bounce back. They have, they have that ability to cope somehow. Um, and I, I believe that um, in order for that to happen, I, most children or all children, I would say all for this one, should be have at least one healthy, mentally healthy adult that they can connect with. If every mm-hmm. child would have just one person, one adult who could connect with them, this person would be there for them to, to listen, to provide support, um, to, to be able to model and teach self-care tools, right? Um, to challenge the child and um, to challenge them to grow, um, maybe even to help the child to set goals, um, look for new opportunities in life, set high expectations for them, and set limitations too, because kids need um, limitations. They, they crave um, structure. If they had someone like that mm. in their life to help them, that would help the child to be able to deal with all of the different traumas that they may have experienced because we all have certain traumas that we've gone through. No one has escaped this. So, um, you know, if, if you think that you've lived in a home and, oh, my parents are great and we're Adventists and this hasn't happened to us, no one has lived mm-hmm. a life where you have been able to escape all sorts of trauma because we were all shaped in, you know, and born in iniquity, right? So 
Mm-hmm. We're all beautiful beings from the time we're born. So as a child, if they can have at least one adult who can be there to help them, this child can be resilient. This child can deal with lots of different um, issues, whether you're living in poverty, whether you have a parent who went to jail, you know, whether you've been abused or all of these harsh things I'm talking about. If you have at least one caring, loving, mentally stable adult who can be there to model um, appropriate self-care and to teach you these things, the child will, will survive. The child will come out okay. There's several people in life who have encountered harsh um, upbringing, but yet have been able to come out on the other side victoriously. So um, I can't even really remember what your question was, but that was on my heart and I wanted to share that. <laughs> hey, that, that is <laughs> I don't fine. even know if that answered part of your question or not. I mean, um, Mindy, if you want to yeah. just jump in and cover up my multitude of sins. <laughs> can I, can I, can I just interject just a quick, quick thing here on the heels of that? Um, I, I saw this post on Facebook just this morning. It is from one of my former members um, who's a teacher. His name is Sam Fullard. He's at, at the First University Church in, in Tampa, Florida, um, and he teaches middle school. Um, and he posted this note from one of his students at the end of, you know, they're finishing up their school year. He said he found this note on his desk um, from one of his students. And it says this, you don't understand how grateful I am for you. You came food with me, gave me money. You are like my father figure. I mm. want you to know that no teacher will ever compare to you. Thank you. Because of you, I wake up ready for school. Wow. Uh, read this note here. Wow. Because wow. Wow. I knew that you would help me and keep me safe. Wow. I know, I promise to always remember you, for you are someone who saved me many days. My depression got so bad, I did not want to live anymore. I didn't mm-hmm. want to eat. I couldn't sleep. I felt so worthless, but I knew you cared. So you were a big help on keeping me alive and still here. Wow. I, wow. It's huge. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that's big. Yeah. Mindy, I think you yeah. were going to yeah. jump in and say something there. That one person. Well, that's yeah. exactly the point, right? The data shows if a child mm-hmm. just has one steady person in their life, like you were saying, wow. Dylan, um, then they can sort of surmount this trauma. And I think that's important when we as Adventists think about the lies Satan tells us, because he will message us that nothing bad will happen if you make the right choices, if you mm. subscribe to the right faith, if you have mm. a strong relationship with Jesus, right? And the fact is, this is a sinful world, right? No That's matter right. what great choices we make, how much we abide in the Lord, how much we align our lifestyle, mm-hmm. bad things happen, right? And Dylan, you said that so well, that we all experience some degree of trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we have that one significant adult growing up, then mm-hmm. that's what gives us that bounce back factor. Mm-hmm. Mm, the resiliency. I love that. That That is a powerful, powerful concept. 
Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to say one thing, and I think we're gonna go to the next question, but in terms of the classifications, just wanna go back to that. So you're saying that, are, are there, is there a different set of classifications of uh, mental illness for adults than children? And you also mentioned this book called the, the DSM. You know, what, what's mm -hmm. this DSM and, and how does that relate to um, the children? Are they the same classifications for everybody or is it different? In this, I think it's yeah. diagnostic statistical manual or something like that. Talk, talk yeah. a little bit about the, that. The, the DSM is like the Bible for, you know, therapists, counselors. And it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And it's a big, I, I have a copy here. You know. so this is the, um, the, the fifth, um, the fifth edition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and um, it, it's like the Bible in a way for us and explains a lot of different things there. But um, what I was saying before is that there are some disorders that are that start early on in life, like um, intellectual developmental disorder. That doesn't happen to you, you know, at 25 or 50, you know, you're born that way and um, it happens. And now someone can be in an accident and have brain tra um, trauma, that's different. And depending on the type of trauma you have, maybe you will have some, you know, intellectual problems now at that point, and that could happen. But usually a lot of these disorders happen early in life, um, just like autism. I talked about that. Uh, there's different specific learning disorders, right? Whether in writing, math, reading, that happens early in life. So that's for children. Um, motor disorders, I believe that too is for kids, like, uh, like tick disorders. Some people, I don't know if you've met people who had a tick disorder or, um, you know, like, like Tourette's or something like that when they, a vocal tick disorder, whatnot. Lots of times that happens when you're young too. Um, well, well, it's stuff like maybe you're thinking about like bipolar disorder or something. Well, the DSM-5 um, changed things up a little bit for kids, and now they're calling it disruptive mood dysregulation. Disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. Yeah. So, and that's for children. And, and you have to be between the ages of 6 and 17 to be diagnosed with that. And that's something that I see a lot in children, you know, that I work with is having this mood disorder. Um, my ADHD, ADD, lots of those things are starting when you're a child. But there's other diagnoses that kids can have that adults also have. And, not, and adults can have these because obviously they were a child before, right? So adults can have that. Mm -hmm. And then some other diagnoses that children have that adults have, you have to meet certain criteria. So um, mm -hmm. it's just a little bit different for children than adults when we're doing diagnosing. But okay. at the end of the day, it's all the same. It's one mind, and we're all going to be learning coping skills. So, right, right, I mean, isn't that true, Mindy? It all comes yeah. down to coping skills at the end. No matter, I won't say no matter what diagnosis, but for most diagnoses, it's how do you cope with this issue? So I would piggyback off that and just say it absolutely is helpful if you are battling a mental health disease that you have that diagnosis. I think a lot of times people are really wary of having a school psychologist evaluate their child. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet it's so helpful being someone who um, has had their child diagnosed with uh, a, a learning disability. It's very helpful to know what you're dealing with so you can put those coping strategies in place. Mm -hmm. um, however, 
I think that a lot of times we get hung up on the label yes. rather than understanding the strategies to navigate, right? That's the whole point of a diagnostic piece is not that you've got a label. A label isn't anything to be scared about. It actually equips us to now know how to manage and deal and develop those coping strategies. Well said, that's absolutely true. 100% agree with you there. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, you, you're seeing the chat, uh, a lot of questions specifically in some of the um, yeah. specific mental health issues. Um, and you have reached, you have kind of um, covered some of that uh, and we, we will get to some coping mechanisms later on. But in your line of work, um, as especially, you know, some of you, are, both of you work within the Adventist system. Um, and, and but I know you did not work in the Adventist system all your, of your career, but in your line of work dealing with children, um, what are some of the um, uh, issues that you have encountered um, over the past couple of years, particularly um, pre-COVID, now post-COVID, or I, I shouldn't even say post-COVID, but pre-COVID, now dealing with COVID, have you ish, have you seen that um, that can help us to help our children? Uh, when it comes to mental health. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with Mindy, if you can help okay. with that. So absolutely, we're seeing the same things that we were seeing pre-COVID and now post-COVID, right? There was, mm-hmm. uh, for the younger, the pre-K and the early elementary, they were having emotional meltdowns prior to COVID. They're still having emotional meltdowns. They were having lack of self-control prior to COVID. Now they're having lack of self-control in COVID. In middle school, we were seeing, you know, students lacking a sense of responsibility, those kinds of things. High school, we were seeing anxiety and depression and self-injury, all of those things. But it is just ramped up in a big way. So for Mm -hmm. instance, I work in a public school right now uh, and the middle schoolers are much more easily triggered. They're emotionally reactive. They're quick to cry. Um, And that's because when we think about them essentially having a timeout on life for two years, they've been emotionally and developmentally and socially stunted. And so all of those skills that naturally would have been developing in terms of how to navigate relationships, how to deal with girl drama, how to handle school stress, all of those things, they lost two years of that. And yet they're Mm -hmm. still, they've got the hormones happening, they've got the social drama (laughs) happening, all the things that would normally happen, but they don't have the coping strategies. So I would just say that they're stunted in their emotional development um, across the board, pre-K through um, high school. The Mm -hmm. the other thing that I would say that is unique during COVID in comparison to pre-COVID is that we have students dealing with an immense amount of grief um, that they weren't 
necessarily having to deal with. I have students who have lost three family members in about six months, right? And so that wasn't normally happening and kids aren't necessarily equipped to navigate the grief process this early on. Mm. Mm -hmm. Any any particular, your examples of some of the things you're dealing with pre-COVID? Yeah. Absolutely. The things, same things that Mindy was saying, you know, um, I could say for me, both in the public school system and you see it in the Adventist school system too, I saw a lot of um, dysregulation when it comes to mood, you know, children not being able to express how they feel appropriately. Um, in one of my schools years ago, I mean, children were like, you know, flipping desk or just trying to hurt others or hurt themselves. I remember I had one student the room that they had me in working with him on had a microwave in there and he's in kindergarten and he was trying to move the microwave to make it fall on my foot or something. But, you know, he was, wasn't strong enough to move the microwave and actually throw it down on my foot. But just the fact that he was thinking of it, like he would go into a full blown rage, you know, and um, turn red and it was just like a different little boy. And when he was calm, he was the sweet, you would never ever think he had, such rage in him um, and was unable to control his mood. So um, that's the thing I see the most with kids not being able to regulate their emotions appropriately. And um, same thing with a lot of anxiety and depression. I see that happening, self-harm. I've had students who um, unfortunately cut themselves and for them that was their way of coping. And they gave reasons why they did that and how it helped soothe them and kept their mind off of what was bothering them. And they had control over the amount of pain they inflicted upon themselves. Mm. And, you know, you talk with the kids and teach them other tools that they can use. And obviously the tools, it's not magic. So it's not like if you do it one time, you're going to be healed and, you know, and perfect. But it's, it's something you have to cultivate, a habit you have to cultivate and learn. So you can start replacing the negative tools you've had with healthier coping skills. But as far as COVID now, um, some of the kids I'm working with, they're having a lot of anxiety, you know, because like, like Cindy, like Mindy said, um, they spent two years, you know, outside of school, not with their cohort, not with their friends, behind a, a computer screen. And now they worry. Some of the things that the kids told me that they worry about is saying the wrong thing or being laughed at or being left out in the group or not knowing how to interact. So COVID has really caused a lot of issues for children um, when it comes to their interaction with their peers. So that's some of the things that I've seen and run across with um, in the schools that I've been working in and the children I've been seeing. I, I know we're getting ready to reset the, the show here, but um, in, our, in, in the chat, I saw a couple of questions dealing with the miss. Um, the the mistrust that parents in particular have with the counseling profession um, and and maybe even exposing their children to get the therapy, the help that is necessary. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, you, you may be, you're on one side of it because you are the, the help they need, but can you talk about this mistrust that we, we find ourselves living with, um, especially as Christians, we tend not to want to talk about the fact that I have a mental issue. And so we tend to, to not want to deal with it. But can you, can you talk a little bit about that mistrust that we have for the mental health profession? See this all the time, right? This is part of the Satan lie. And so I think it's really important that we 
think of our mind as this asset that we have to cultivate and protect. I think more and more, especially thanks to COVID, we're seeing the stigma around mental health and counseling kind of lift a little bit because there's just more awareness. So I would say in the Adventist church in general, we're really seeing a groundbreaking movement of uh, embracing mental health as uh, a piece that isn't to be reckoned with, that it's not an optional thing. It's something that is um, vital and, um, one of the best ways I think in breaking that stigma is for the parent to recognize their own mental health. And for me, I do it in a very verbal way with my kids. So I regularly attend counseling. My kids actually go to counseling and they have the special playroom and they know that that's where mommy gets, um, her emotions and her feelings and it's a safe place for her to express herself and mm -hmm. so if we're demonstrating that as an adult we're kind of leading in by example and we're showing our kids no my mind my emotions my feelings are important god gave me these and so i'm going to protect them amen that's wow, beautiful that. yeah that's awesome. Leading by example, modeling. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that question that you were saying that you read us in the chat, as far as um, being um, Christian or Seventh Adventist, just to piggyback on what was being said on that. I, I don't know, because like for me growing up, I remember hearing like mental health or seeing a psychologist, psychiatrist was, they use it like for crazy people, which is a term that, you know, we probably shouldn't say, you know, crazy people. That's not that's not really nice, right? So um, they would say stuff like you're going to be hypnotized. They're going to control your brain or, you know, you won't be able to think for yourself. And that's absolutely not true, you know, with counseling. Now, I'm not saying that people don't hypnotize. You can go to a specialist who has been trained to hypnotize if that's what you want for whatever reason. But most therapists, they're not there trying to hypnotize you. They're not there with, um, I have my little thing here. They're not there trying to, you know, have you look at this thing and, and fall asleep or anything. We're not doing that. We're not, we're, that's not what we're doing every day. Uh, we're really here just to support you, just to listen and to help you find your way, to guide you, um, to reflect and repeat some of the things that you said, because sometimes we don't even hear ourselves when we're speaking and recognizing some of the things that we are saying. We're not here to tell you what to do. So if we're not here to tell you what to do, obviously I'm not going to be hypnotizing you. So I'm here to just help help you reflect and think of what's the best course for you to take for your journey, for your life. And so it is important that we try to destigmatize mental health and not what counselors to say so people don't think that it's a scary thing or a scary place. And so and hopefully parents... Mm -hmm. You know, they can meet me or talk with me when I meet with the kids. If they want to reach out to me, they are able to do that, to recognize that, you know, I'm, I'm, it's okay. It's safe. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite Bible verses is Proverbs 15, 22, that says there is value and richness in a multitude of counselors. And I Amen. just love that. God is calling it out. He's saying, we've, we as adults, 
have to have that one safe person, right? And a lot of times that looks like a counselor. And Dylan, I love what you said. It's not, and I, I do some education with students and parents around this too, right? We think of counseling and therapy as like, I'm going to lay you on this chase lounge and i'm going to unpack your mind and then I'm gonna ask a bunch of open-ended questions right yeah and that mm -hmm. sounds scary and a little freaky except in reality counseling is nothing like that right it's problem solving it's equipping with tools and coping skills so just debunking the myth of like traditional therapy i think is really right. important yeah talk mm, therapy I, yeah. just like how we're talking right now talk therapy yeah right. yes yeah. Mm -hmm. i love it i love it i love it i love it i was thinking about that um before we go on our, our reset the hypnotism thing dylan you know i i washed the dishes i i did a whole lot of work did you hypnotize me did you <laughs> I, was, hey, I was afraid to ask that i saw that thing move i said i, uh, <laughs> I, I did a whole lot of house. work and i said where am i, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> we have just revealed oh, yeah. a secret Listen, we we've been learning a lot i mean I, first of all we want to thank you all for just pouring into us so we talked a little bit about mental health and uh, we talked about diagnosing, and there's some stuff in the chat, too, that hopefully we'll get to. Some people misdiagnosed, and we talked about the uh, mistrust of counseling. But but if, if we have, you know, you have a child. People have, a, you know, children, or you, you see children around, you're a teacher, or you are a parent. What are some of the things that we should be looking for to say, you know what, maybe our child can benefit from you know, some counseling and, and are some things that we can do as well, you know, to help it. Cause we talk, we want to talk about some coping strategies as well. Uh, we'll just bring it to, to Mindy first. So I mentioned earlier that I've been running this diagnostic screener for behaviors that are internalizing and behaviors that are externalizing. In other words, are kids stuffing their emotions and they don't have healthy outlets for that. And so it likely is going to come out and maybe suicidal ideation or self-harm, something like that. Or are they externalizing where we see them off task, dysregulated, uh, having trouble controlling their emotions and their um, behaviors, that those kinds of things. And so when I'm looking at both of those things, some of the questions that indicate those are things like, do you have a close friend? Mm. Um, I like myself. I have an adult that I trust. My parents like me. I am proud of myself my teachers like me, things like that. And so if you're having regular conversations with your kids and asking questions like that, so who's your go-to person at school? Or who is your favorite kid in math class? If you're mm -hmm. asking those generalized questions, then you're gonna get a read on, do they have adequate support system? Um, if their answer is, I don't have any friends, or I don't like myself, or things like that, those are red flags to you as a parent, or 
an important adult in a kid's life that mm -hmm. those kids are showing signs, right? So we're also going to look for symptoms like um, they're not sleeping enough or they're sleeping too much. They're um, not eating enough or they're eating too much. Um, we may see their grades dipping. We may see them closing the door in their room and kind of staying in there and hibernating. All of those are red flags that your mm. child might be struggling. Mm. Very good, very yeah. good. And I would add on to that, you know, mental illness in children, sometimes it can be hard to identify and can easily be missed, right? Because we're used to adults and dealing with adults and you can see, I won't say you can always tell, but you know, adults are a little bit more straightforward, whereas kids, their moods and things may be a little bit different. You know, they're like um, Mindy was saying, sometimes they can internalize it a lot more. You know, you see that whole self-harm thing. But, you know, some things that you can look at or some warning signs, um, like uh, persistent sadness is last um, for more than two weeks. So it's not like just today I'm down or, you know, I had a bad day at school. Or I, I didn't do well on a test or a quiz or, but this is lasting for over two weeks. You know, you see this um, persistent sadness in them. Um, other things you can look at too, we talked about one hurting themselves and them talking about wanting to hurt themselves or if they're talking about um, death a lot or they seem to be more fascinated all of a sudden about suicide and death and they're vocalizing that, you know, and you haven't heard them talk about that before. That's something that could be a red flag, something to think about or look at. Um, extreme outbursts, irritability, you know, they're irritable easily. Um, they get angry or frustrated much easier now. Um, that's something that we need to pay attention to. Um, we talked about eating more, eating less, right? Um, just a different, a drastic change in their mood or their personality, their personality, something different. You're just, you know your child and when you see something is different, you start paying attention to it to see if this is lasting longer, if this is just a day thing, something that happened at school. You talk about it with your child, right? Difficulty sleeping. Maybe they're sleeping more or they're not able to sleep well mm. or they're getting up a lot in the middle of the night. Maybe even sometimes it can show up in they're having um, a lot of headaches or stomach aches or they're complaining about a lot of different physical pains and ailments. Um, that's a sign too that there could be some type of anxiety happening because a lot of times it shows up in our body and the way we're feeling. Um, well, I think, I mean, we need the whole lot of difficulty concentrating, I don't know, missing school, not wanting to go to school, avoiding school. I'm not feeling good today. Can I stay home? Well, mommy, I miss you. I want to stay. Well, lots of these different things. If you see these changes are happening in your child, it's time to pay close attention and maybe seek professional help. So, so let me let me let me jump in here. There are two things I want to ask. Um, this um, Renee is asking this question about um, spiritual warfare, you know, Coming up, we, we read about this in the Word of God, that there is spiritual warfare. How does that factor in to you as, as um, Adventist uh, Christian counselors, you know, when you're, you're dealing, you know, we could, we could hold on to the Bible, the DSM, or do we, is there, is there a place for it? Is there, you know, help us with, with knowing, you know, dealing with that. There is such a thing, of course, as spiritual war warfare, right? Um, we know that we're battling not against flesh and blood, so that is true. Mm -hmm. And I think the devil can also take 
um, pride and joy and attach himself to a mental illness. So if someone is mentally ill, they're not demon possessed because they're mentally ill, right? We already talked about how our bodies are made up of different chemicals and we have chemicals in our brain that's bathing our brain daily. And if we don't have the right amount the way we were supposed to, then we can have some deficiencies and have some issues. But just because we were born that way or something happened and that occurred, that doesn't mean that we're demon possessed. But I do believe that there are times too that the devil could take um, advantage of that. You know, this person's having um, problems um, regulating their mood. Um, I, I had a client, a, a man who was in a car accident and he had a traumatic brain injury and his personality changed. You know, he wasn't the same person that he was before that. He, he was frustrated, more irritable, irritable more um, had low tolerance for things. And it was difficult for him, whereas he used to be uh, a calmer person, you know, fun loving, was able to go to work or whatnot. But now that he had this accident, he had a difficult time, couldn't work anymore. It was hard. So, you know, this, this, there is a fine balance. I just have to be a little bit careful. And, you know, because back in the day, it was like, oh, this person, you know, just pray for him or pray for her. And right. yes, we should pray for people who have a mental illness too. Just like if I'm sick, if I have, if I have COVID or I have cancer or I have some other um, illness, I want prayer, but I also got to go see the doctor, right? I also got to go get the help that I need. I need to get the medication or whatever is given to me to help me feel better. Not to say that if I pray about it, God can't miraculously heal me, but God has put people out there in this world with knowledge and who, who's able to help us. I mean, when God, I, and you're coming from you all are the pastors, didn't he heal someone before? So now go show yourself to the priest. So why did he have to go? Why did the leper have to go show himself to the priest if Jesus himself healed the man? Why? Like, why, why? Why go to the doctor? Why? Why does God have doctors and, and, and lawyers? Like if I'm, if I'm in trouble and I need a lawyer, I'm not just going to pray. I know Jesus is my lawyer and I know he's a judge, but I'm not just going to pray about it. I'm going to go seek an attorney. So <laughs> I wonder why when we have a mental health issue and not to say this is what um, the person online was saying, but in general, when it comes to spirituality, whenever it comes to our mental health, we refrain from it and think that, Prayer is all we need. And uh, yes, I am not discounting prayer. I am a prayer warrior. I believe in prayer, but I also believe in common sense. I mean, if I am sick and the doctor has a prescription for me, you better believe I'm going to take it. <laughs> I'm not just going to go back home and pray, well, Lord, please heal me. And God is like, I just sent you to the doctor. You got a medication, take it. So, you know, yes, there's spiritual warfare, but it's also a real thing called mental illness. I do believe the devil can attach himself to that and try to make it worse. Mm. But we have a powerful, all-knowing God. Wow. And just because mm -hmm. someone has a mental illness does not mean you cannot live a productive life. You can. Amen. You can still live a productive life, even with a mental illness. Man, Dylan, you said so many beautiful things right there. <laughs> I think of the story of Daniel and his three friends and how they are taken away from all that's familiar, right? And they're essentially mm -hmm. slaves and they're thrown yeah. into a brand new culture and a brand new lifestyle and they're struggling um, to align their um, value system with the culture that they're in. And God brings to them this, it, in, 
um, the commentary, it calls it a counselor. It was mm. an advisor. Wow. And he comes alongside these boys and he helps them problem solve this whole diet thing of fruits and vegetables and water, right? Yeah. And remember, they didn't have parents anymore. They didn't have aunts and uncles or friends or anything. They were completely in a new country. Mm. And yet God swung this advisor alongside them to walk through some of their most difficult life experiences. And that's how I think of the spiritual warfare, right? That Satan was out to get those guys as hard as he could. And yet in the end, they were cycle breakers and really changed everything. And what did it was that advisor that came alongside and advocated for them. And that's how I think of the spiritual warfare when we're talking about mental health, that a counselor is someone that just comes alongside you and helps you navigate when you're in the toughest parts of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's so important to look at the biblical alignment for mental health. And the more and more I get into scripture, I see it, that God had demonstrated mental health biblically that it's a um a a god-given right and that we should be empowered to embrace it Mm. and to me that debunks all the mental health um stigmas out there wow Oh, wow. <laughs> Minda, you just, I love it. you just taught me something new about the story of Daniel. That's so phenomenal. I love it. Hey. I never thought of it that way before. Never. Now I just opened my eyes. Wow. Beautiful. Well put. Thank you for sharing that. I feel, I feel blessed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Listen, yeah. we, we are, we are getting, we are getting some, some powerful, powerful nuggets falling upon us right now. So we're, we're learning how to, you know, deal with this stigma of mental health and, and how to appropriately deal with it. I got a question, though. Suppose, again, you do have a child and you see some behaviors there that are, um, that alert you that counseling will be uh, beneficial, but the child doesn't want to go. Like they don't, the child doesn't want to go, but you feel like the counseling setting will be beneficial. How do you, what do you do as a parent or as a teacher? (laughs) So this is one of my favorite things, right? Because I think for us as mental health professionals that get to work with kids, we make it fun. So Dylan, you've got all kinds of games, right? That you do with kids and fun videos. And my office is loaded with fidgets and slime and we do fun mental health games and all of that. So again, debunking what mental health looks like for kids. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in my office, kids come in. Next week we're doing our finale wrap up, which is coping skills cupcakes. Mm. Uh, (laughs) And so, and Dylan, you do all kinds of fun stuff like this too. So I think um, helping kids know that it's, uh, a safe place, that it's fun, that um, it's someone that can be trustworthy. That's really how you make it accessible for kids. The other way is demonstrating self-care as a parent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And again, I tell my kids, like I go to someone 
to talk to so that I can stay mentally healthy with my thoughts and feelings. So that mm-hmm. also takes away that scariness for kids. If mommy and dad go, then why can't I go? Mm. I like that. Parents leading the I, way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about those cupcakes. I'm trying to figure out where I need to sign up. Is there a, I mean, <laughs> so listen, here, here's another follow up too. As we talked about parents and, and even kind of piggybacking a little bit on some of the questions earlier about parents that may distrust professional counseling a little bit more. Is there a role? And we talked about the idea that professional counseling provides this safe place for people to be able to um, um, share and to talk and to reflect. Is there a role or, or where do for, for, for parents and a social structure to provide some environments that might tend to make for stronger mental health in their children? And are there, and I'm, I may be getting ahead of, you guys help me out, because I suspect I'm getting ahead of us just a little bit, but are there some 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 tools that, that uh, parents can have um, that may help them deal with their children's like they like no matter what we say on this program or what they hear from a pulpit some folk are just gonna like it's of the devil i ain't doing it they're not they're (laughs) not going to or or i'm just broke and i can't afford it or you know whatever are there some tools that can equip parents to be a greater contributor to good mental health in in, in their children? Or or do they have a role at all? Is it simply something that is in the professional world or are there family members, parents that can contribute to to enhancing the mental health of their kids? Yeah, I would say simple coping tools. I mean, hey, exercise is free. You can Mm. just go outside and go for a walk, take your children to the park and play with them, right? You know, exercise, There's lots of study that shows that when you work out or you do any type of exercise, it releases those great hormones, those chemicals, those neurotransmitters I was talking about earlier, the dopamine and the serotonin. You feel good after a good workout. In the beginning, you may not like it, but for adults at least, you may not like working out sometimes, but afterwards, sometimes you feel good. You have a burst of energy. Why is that? Because God naturally provides that for us. And so some people who who have less or is not producing as much, then they need medication, right? But our bodies naturally produce that. So here's a simple tool you can do. Mom, dad, take your son and daughter out to the park. Go mm. play. Take your dog out for a walk. Everybody will all go to walk the dog, you know? And, and take that nice walk. Breathe in and out. Get some fresh air. There's so many different little things that you can do that give you big payback. And it doesn't even cost you money. So yes, it'd be great to see a therapist if you really can afford it or your insurance you know, maybe you don't have insurance or maybe your insurance for some reason doesn't cover it. And I think a lot of insurance now are putting into mental health, but just simple things, you know, listening to music, dancing, you know, play some fun music and dance in the kitchen while you're baking something or making something with your children. Play. Play is so important. Little things, drawing. I mean, there's so many things that you can do that's free that actually help with mental health and people don't even recognize it. And even wow. so, when I tell people to do it, they look at me like, draw? <laughs> You're telling me to breathe? <laughs> How's the breathing going to help? You know, well, obviously it doesn't help just because you did it one time. But when you cultivate these new habits, especially when you do it when you're not in a stressful mode, 
and now it becomes a new tool for you. So when you actually do need it, you already know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other things that we can do. I don't know if you want to add more, Mindy? I love all that you said. And I think the key is what you just recognized in that when we are leading by example and then talking to our kids about what we're doing. So in my household, it looks like mommy feels really upset right now. I'm going to take a break. Uh, I'm just going to do a little bit of a breather and I'll be back out in 15 minutes. That way I'm not losing my cool or I'll say, you know what? I'm just feeling kind of down. I'm going to take a 30 minute nap and then I'll come back and let's play a board game. (coughs) Excuse me. Or I'm very intentional to walk the dog. Like you said, and I'll say like, this is mommy's special time where she talks to Jesus or she looks, listens to podcasts or whatever. And so putting that language into your household and telling them what you're doing for self-care. I love this video that I use with middle schoolers that defines self-care for kids, Mm. because I think a lot of time we talk about self-care and it's kind of fluffy. So it's like, take a bubble bath or paint your nails or something. And sure, those things are nice, but that's not actual mental health Mm self-care. This middle schooler defines mental health as setting boundaries for yourself. And I think that's so powerful as adults, right? That we recognize, okay, we've kind of met our threshold and that's our boundary. And so we need to put some strategies into place. I love so it. Let, me, let me ask this question. Uh, you know, it's been, I've been bouncing around and I was wondering if I should ask it later, but many of us who are listening are in a church setting. So um, you both work in the school setting. So the kids are there. uh, Things are are pointed out. You are able to go in, deal with them. But some of us work as Sabbath school teachers, pathfinder leaders, um, Mm. adventurers, Adventurers. um, you know, Mm -hmm. or even a deacon in the church. And we have no clue what's happening to the student while they're in school, while they're at home. But they come to church and they act the fool. And then we have a whole different concept that we go at. How, share with us some of the things, what what can you help our our audience understand that to help our children as we move them from that setting where they're in school to the setting where they're in church? What should the Mm -hmm. church leader know? What should the pastor know? So that he can be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Can can I add a little bit to that, Pastor Wade? Because I I think this is a hugely important question because sometimes it's how we as church members deal with that misbehaving kid and treat them that that kid Mm. grows up. I'm never stepping foot inside at church again because of how they dealt with me when I was acting the fool. What's the what? How do we do that? Well, because I would say sometimes their behavior is a cry for help. They're seeking attention, and sometimes kids will you know, misbehave because that's the only way they get attention. You know, mm. maybe they, when kids do well, it's really hard for us for some reason to praise them and say, good job, or I saw you did an excellent job. Patting wow. them on the bat and let them know how great they did. But as soon as they do something wrong, we're quick to remind them that they're inappropriate right now or what they're doing is not right. And so kids are brilliant people, you know, and they pick up quick. Well, if the only way I'm gonna get attention is by me misbehaving then they'll misbehave because, of course, they will get the attention that they're craving. It may not be good, 
but it's some type of attention. But when children act out, that's the time they need the love the most, right? And sometimes it is hard to to hug a porcupine when their their quills are out, right? But um, yeah, but that's the time that they need the love the most. That's when we need to come near them. We say, you know, I, I it seems like you're really struggling here, and what's going on, or how can I help you? You know, it seems like you're having a hard time. And just reflect what they say and hear them, listen to them. We don't give kids mm. a chance to, to express their thoughts and feelings. We're, we're mostly talking to them and at them and not listening. And if we could just mm. listen, be that ear, just say, hey, wow. you know, it seems like you're having a hard time or what's going on. You know, what's happening? You seem to be frustrated right now. What's happening? What's going on? Or can I help you in any way? You know, what can I do to help you feel better? And when they, you know, depending on what they say, you can't always solve the problem, but you could just say something simple like, wow, that must really be hard. Mm. You know, oh, I hear you. That sounds difficult. Wow. Mm. Or how have you been able to manage this for so long? Mm. Wow. You know, you seem to be a really strong person to be going through this day in and day out. Wow. You know, you just reflect back what they're saying. You don't always have to have the answer. And I just say affirming children when they do right. And when they're not doing right, just say, I see you're struggling or I see you're having a hard time or just letting them know I see you either way without coming so hard on them. And, you know, and I'm not perfect either. When I'm in church and I see kids running, I'm like, can't they sit down? <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking that. And I don't really say anything because I just know this is just probably they have energy <laughs> and we just have to find a way to wrap our arms around them in a loving way. Amen. I love that, Dylan. It's so beautiful. Again, resiliency just takes one safe adult. And when we think about how many kids have lost loved ones um, or come from divorced homes or have kind of family dysfunction or whatever it is, it could be that that adventure club leader or the Sabbath school teacher or the children's ministry director, the VBS leader, those people are the only safe person in that kid's life. Mm. And so you don't have to be a counselor to be a safe person. I love saying, nothing you say can surprise me because that just takes the judgment right out of it, right? Yeah. You're not gonna um, question their Christ-likeness or, their character or their integrity. Listen, we all go through tough times. Nothing you say can surprise me. And then all of a sudden you become that one safe adult in that child's life that builds resiliency. Yeah. Wow. This yeah. is this is excellent. You know, that when, when you talk about resiliency, it kind of goes back to um, some of the things that I picked up about adverse childhood experience. Uh, the mm -hmm. ACE, ACE study and you know you're right on a resiliency and then the things that you know you mentioned that we can do um dylan as far as um talking with uh, children in that church environment you know providing mm -hmm. that 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 listening ear it does a mm -hmm. whole lot um before we end i know we're coming down to the very very end now but the resources you know i know that both of you all work with mostly children in the school setting what are some of the resources that you are offering uh, those schools and, and how can we get uh, be a part of it? Mindy, well, I mentioned uh, earlier that I'm really blessed to be partnering with the VersaCare Foundation. 
uh, and they are so behind mental health in Adventist schools, and they recognize that a lot of times the barrier to that can be financial. And so they've been really amazing last year that they um, funded eight conferences. And this coming school year, uh, like I said earlier, we're being able to fund 15 conferences. And wow. so this is a website essentially that allows on-demand resources that are social emotional learning videos to use in the classroom, uh, at home, parent education and teacher education. And so these are all kinds of different skills um, to enhance children in their emotional and social development, such as tattling versus reporting, bullying prevention, um, career development for high school, um, mindfulness, our feelings good, bad, or neither, right? Managing your behavior, keep, uh, keeping yourself regulated, all kinds of strategies for teachers to use in the classroom, education for parents to use at home. Uh, so it's really a beautiful resource that has been God-driven uh, and a ministry that I didn't seek out. He just kind of plopped into my lap and uh, brought schools and awareness on board. So if you're interested, and there's a lot of free website access to parent materials. Um, it is www.consultation.com. And maybe someone can put that in the chat. So counsel and consultation combined. In other words, access to a school counselor. Not every conference is so blessed like Florida Conference to have a Dylan, lucky, lucky Florida Conference. Um, and so this is a way to sort of give on-demand access to a counselor for those conferences that are smaller and maybe finances are a little bit more limited. We're going to get we're going to get that into the into the chat in a few moments. But I, I wanted to ask. I, I know New York City was big on that um, in terms of first mental health first aid, and they have they do mm -hmm. have it for children and they do have it for adults. And I know mm -hmm. other cities do offer that. Have you heard about that program? Any 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 you know anything you can share about that program, or are there other programs we know about? Yeah, mental health first aid. That's a great program, um, and and yeah. that's not to make someone think that because they go through that training that they're able now to diagnose people and stuff. But it's really more for you to kind of look and listen and and to kind of basically connect with others and be able to support someone, and then also maybe direct them into where they can go to get the help that they need. But that's an excellent, excellent website. You know, right. mental health. I was going to jump in here and say, you know, the Florida Conference offers that as well. Um, they do a couple of trainings. So if you're in the Florida area, you know, just connect with the uh, Family Life Department and then they will uh, make sure that you're a part of that training. And then there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So if someone is having these thoughts or these feelings and they need to talk to somebody and reach out, it's um, 1-800-273-TALK, which is 
1-800-273-8255. And that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Where you can call and they will help you with whatever thoughts you're having and to make sure that you remain safe and alive. There's also, I was also oh, going to say that the mm -hmm. North American Division has created a mental health website yes. for schools. Uh, and it has a lot of those great, like, suicidal hotlines and things like that mm -hmm. um so we can put that into the chat as well that's true yeah that's new that just recently came out this year with that yeah it's phenomenal and there's also i, I can share maybe two more things the national institute of mental health that's um let me see i can i have it here www.nimh.com NIH.gov. So again, that's www.nimh.nih.gov. That's the National Institute of Mental Health, and they have a lot of information there that people can read about and you know get some more support. And of course, if you know of a child that's getting hurt, you can report that. You know, report abuse at 1-800-962-2873. And, you know, you don't have to do any investigation. Somebody else will go out there to make sure this child is safe or needs some extra support. But that's 1-800-962-2873. That's to report abuse. We're going to get all that, those information into the show notes that will be on oh, our one website. One more, one more, oh, one more. On. I had, well, so one more because <laughs> I know we had a lot of questions about um, yes. Adventism and Christianity. There is that other... Um, tool and it's called mental health for mental health a guide for faith leaders mental health a guide for faith leaders so this helps with those questions we're having as far as spirituality and you know spiritual warfare and those and how we can get the support with a mental health counselor therapist that's a good tool again it's a mental health a guide for faith leaders so that's another tool that would be an excellent source for the pastors to have, to mm. review and yeah. have that for their church. Very good. All right. Well, listen, I, I want to say thank you. Thank you. I, I don't know how many times I said that today. I probably said it a few times. But, you know, today, I, like I said, I had to dress my best today. <laughs> but I want to thank you so much, Mindy and Dylan. You all are just awesome people doing a great work. I want to commend you for the work that both of you all are doing, servicing the church. I mean, isn't that a wonderful thing? You're servicing the church. And I just believe that because of your efforts and because of your ministry, we will have a stronger church because you're dealing with the core of where we're at right now. And that is improving the mental health of our children. So praise God for both of you all. One, one, one last thing. If there's an educa uh, educator listening, a superintendent listening, and they would like to get some of these services into their system. What what should they do? Oh, thank yeah. you for that question. Please reach out to me directly. Um, we can put my email in the chat. It's Mindy Salyers at consultation.com. And I will work to do my best to get funding and resources. Um, to your conference or your school. You just said the word, funded. I love it. One more time. Repeat the email address one more time for us, please. Mindy 
Salyers at consultation.com. And my right. dream is that at one point, every single conference will, will have a Dylan because that is just <laughs> such an amazing asset and resource. Lucky Florida conference. Yeah, and, and my dream is that one day we'll have multiple Dylans in each conference so that we can service the kids even better and have more people there. And, it, and we're getting there. And I just thank God for this opportunity to serve. I'm excited to be a part of Florida Conference. They're very innovative. They think ahead and they want to serve their children. And they really do care. And I know all conferences do, but Florida Conference is ahead of the ball. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So as we close, one last thing. If there was one thing you wanted to uh, have our parents, our leaders, uh, those who are viewing, one thing you would like them to take away from what we share today, what would that be? Mindy, share with us what that one thing would be. Lead by example. You parents are the ones who are going to exhibit those self-care principles, and your kids are going to walk in your footsteps. Awesome, awesome. Dylan, what, what would that one yeah. thing be? Well, she basically took the words out of my mouth, but I also want to add that, you know, sometimes with our cultural differences, you know, we may see things differently than our children who are either born here in the United States or being raised here in the United States, and it's different than other countries that we come from. So if you are not born and raised in America, I would suggest that you um, maybe be open to the idea of just at least listening more and to our, your child and seeing if you can try to understand them. Leading by example is awesome, but making sure that you understand that kids actually do have issues. It may be different than yours when you were growing up, but they do have issues. They do have concerns. They have stressors. So understand mm -hmm. that children are resilient. And like we said, they need just one caring adult. And you as a parent can't be that caring adult, but we shouldn't shut the doors. You know, we should open mm -hmm. them and be willing to have these difficult conversations. So I'd say, listen more. You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? So we should be doing double the listening instead of always thinking we have answers. So I would just say parents, listen, encourage and support and reach out. It's not um, a bad thing to get support for your children. Awesome, awesome, wow. Awesome. Woo! My co my host, my co-host, what a show we had today. Again, thank you, Mindy, Dylan. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say, man. This has been truly a blessing.